and welcome to another Nerdy Agent Podcast Business Tip of the Week. Business Tip. It's the Business Tip of the Week. This week, we are going to talk about escalation clauses. Most of the people, maybe if you're in another market other than Twin Cities, are dealing with multiple offers on houses just about every single weekend, every single day of the week, perhaps, just like us. And escalation clauses is something that we use um, a lot to get offers accepted at prices that our buyers are comfortable with. To start, who wants to tell them what an escalation clause is? I mean, simply put, it is an offer. And oftentimes, I don't even put a purchase price um, in addition to an escalation clause. I just just put list price. Yeah, or you can do that. I've been changing that. We'll get to that after. Um, So oftentimes, we'll put X amount over the next best offer up to Y. Uh, we have to get provided with a copy of the other purchase agreement. My language has that it cannot be contingent on the sale of another home as well. So. Mine too. And it's X dollars above the next best offer. Correct. So for example, house is listed at 300. You offer 5K over the next best offer up to 340. If the next best offer is 320, yours is 325. If it's 328, yours is 333 and so forth until you're maxed out yep. at your top price. Um, the one thing that you do run into in this situation is sometimes sellers don't want escalation clauses. And so you do have to kind of cross that bridge as it comes. I usually make sure I explain that to buyers when we do submit one is that, hey, just so you know, they might push back on this. I would say it's, I don't know, is it like 50-50 on pushback? Is well, it so less than not? I think it's important a couple of things. Um, when you think about the concept of an escalation clause, like it makes a lot of sense in some scenarios. It's your job as an agent to figure out when to use these things and when not to. So this goes to two points, I would say. One, call the other agent, and when you're communicating with them, get a sense of what the market's like, get a sense of what they're saying, read their actual description, because some people write no escalation clauses. And if you send one in that scenario, I tell my clients, you could still send one, because they can't really, if your offer is still the best, they might still take it. But you they can might do whatever you want. They might be upset about it. They might still take it. But the reality is, have a conversation and communicate with the other agent and understand what's going on in that scenario and maybe even ask like, hey, in this scenario, it might make sense for me to do an escalation with my client. Is that something that's okay with you? And just make sure you have that conversation on the front end. Um, The second thing though is understand actually when you should use them because sometimes using them is a bad decision for your clients because it actually creates reverse incentives. So Let's say there's only there's not another offer and you send one in with an escalation clause or it's the first day on the market and you send one with an escalation clause. You're basically telling them, let me wait for other offers to come in to make your offer go higher. So I only use these in cases where it's like all offers due by Sunday at 4 p.m. We have 23 offers. Um, in that case, it's like, okay, throw a big number out and put an escalation on it. But if you're trying to move fast, it's actually a reverse incentive you're creating. So definitely understand how it plays out in the process and use it appropriately. What we see too many people doing is being like, well, this seems like a win or every time. So we're just going to throw it out there every time. And in some cases it actually hurts you versus helps you. And I will say also, I, I just to touch on it, you do have to put typically how we do it is in an addendum yep. before the purchase agreement it says escalation addendum. We write that on there. Um, and then you put a purchase price on the actual purchase agreement contract. Yep. I have found that sellers are less likely to make a fuss if your initial purchase price on your contract is above list List price, price. which it's emotional and it doesn't make sense, right? And I agree with that. Good point. However, if you are in a situation where there are 15 offers, let's just say, 
hate to break it to you, it's going to get 10% over list price. So you In might our market as, at least, yeah. yeah. So you might as well put 8% over list price in the purchase price just to make it look like you're harder, trying harder. Yeah, make it look a little bit better for the sellers. Um, and then escalate to, I've told people like 13 to 15% over it. It goes to my key negotiation it. tactic, which is like, anytime that you can give them something that you know won't matter, but makes you look better, you give it. So it's a good point, Luke. I haven't been doing that, but I probably will start doing that now. Hmm. Interesting. I don't ever do that. Anything else on, well, AJ's, AJ's working in the seven, 800 range more so, and it's a uh, different ball. I had one this say. weekend where we tried to get the deal done the second day on market at 40,000 over the list price. Um, they said they got multiples, but we were so in front of them and hammering them through that they set the deadline for a Saturday rather than for a Sunday. We threw an escalation clause that went uh, another 46,000 higher. Didn't even have to use it. Got the house for 40000 over the list price. So buyers were very, very happy because they got the house for a lot less than they were willing to go. Um, and it protected us on the upside risk because I could have told them just make a, make the purchase price higher, right? And they would have been stuck with whatever that higher purchase price was. So yep, worked out really well for us in that it case. Does limit, it does limit the upside in terms of you, you, you can throw out what you want to pay, but you don't have to necessarily pay it. Exactly. Two other things. Um, one, be very thoughtful about the number you pick for how far above the next best offer you go. So I tell clients... If you have cash and you're doing no inspection, then that number can be really small because you're going to be the best buyer in terms of terms. So even if you're like a thousand over the next best offer, but you're cash, no inspection, you're probably still going to get picked, right? But if you're a low down payment with a full inspection and you're like, that number has got to be a lot bigger because the terms will matter. There's a financial benefit to the seller on the different terms. So be thoughtful about which of those buckets you fall into in the terms front and address or put your escalation number out there appropriate to where you think you're going to be on terms versus the competition. Our last one, we, that one we did this weekend was 10,000 over. Yep. So that usually gives you a kicker. The big thing is if, if you've got the down payment, you've got no inspection or appraisal gap or whatever, if they come in with, somebody comes in with cash, you want to make sure that you've got a number that's high enough above that offer to make sense. Yep. And people, when they start to use escalations, common used a thousand bucks. It's not, it's not going to work. The so good, the good old days, three to five is kind of your minimum at this point. And if you really want a house, I tend to push people more towards five. Um, and then, uh, what was my second point? Oh gosh, I lost it. Luke. Well, then I have Josh's second point for you. I think it's pretty easy to say there's 15 offers. We should do an escalation clause. We should go X dollars above the next best offer up to X dollars. And I think that makes sense. A situation though, where you can really win for your clients with the escalation clause is when you have less than five offers, in my opinion, two offers, three offers, you really yep. have no idea where those other people are and they really want that house. You can still escalate to a high number that they'd be willing to pay if somebody else goes up to it. And the majority of the time with only three offers, they might be only going 5% over list price and you're able to kind of arbitrage that situation or optimize it and get it at a better price than you maybe would have if you went straight in. Absolutely. Uh, the last point I guess it was on. <laughs> He's got it. He's got it. <laughs> on the seller side, we're talking about buyers a lot, oh, right? Sure. But you're going to get a lot of escalations when you're selling houses and you're in multiple offers. So think about how you can utilize those because you basically are given information about how high a person will go. And so I often will get an escalation on the sell side and I'll say, okay, yeah, it would get tricked. It would get tripped and go to this price. But I may call that agent and say, hey, here's the deal. The other person behind you has got really strong terms. So I can't guarantee the seller is going to pick your offer versus another offer, even though with your escalation, you're going to be at the highest price. I would say you're probably better off actually coming in with this price dollar amount and going to that level instead, because you may actually have success. 
And so in that case, sometimes I can get people off of the escalation that are buyers offering escalations and try to make some more money for my sellers because it gives them a little bit of a bigger gap between the you know different offers we're receiving. Love that. Excellent point. And that's all we have this week on the Nerdy Agent Podcast Business Tip of the Week. Business tip. Hope you learned some business on the business tip.